Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to this podcast. This is season three, episode nine. This week we'll be talking about uh, Lower Decks. Um, what was the name of the show? I think it was Crisis Point is what I wrote down. Yes, Crisis Point was the name of the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's in my notes here. Alrighty, so my name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We don't have those crazy people from San Jose or Mississauga joining us today. Alrighty, so starting with, with some fact check. I don't know about you, but uh, I was trying to remember the name of the other book, like, sorry, I'm doing other book with air, te- with, uh, air quotes of, that we had to read in high school because we, we were talking about Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And of course, the other book that we had to read at that time was called 1984. Uh, and that was, who wrote 1984? No, I can't remember. Anyway, was that Orson Welles, if I were to guess? No, 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 no. So uh, now you see, now, now you make me fact check, fact check it. No, he, Orson Welles was Citizen Kane, is what we were thinking, which is like one of, they say one of the best movie, uh, George Orwell. George Orwell. I knew it was something with like a, you know, yeah. well oh, in there. You had the O in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, an O and a well. It was close. Yeah. So 1984, of course, was the was the uh, the book that uh, we had to read. It was all about, you know, dystopia. And I think Big Brother was, you know, sort of watching everything you do, which is kind of where we are now with Facebook, right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and it, uh, ironically for you and me, in 1984 was when Apple, Apple ruled out the Mac. And, and of course, they had the big famous 1984 commercial. So they've kind of stolen 1984 from the lore but but back then 1984 was was about dystopia and and you know big brother watching everything you do right so and actually while i'm while i'm on the subject i don't know if i talk about it here but i put a link in here but, but so last week i was talking about brave new world and i'd said um i've been watching it and you know i'm, I'm probably i'm like four or five episodes in and i was wondering whether it was the same plot as the book so i went to the i went to what we used to, we used to call it this thing called cole's notes i think you have them called cliff notes in the states um where you know they give you a synopsis of what's in the book well of course now we have wikipedia you do the same thing and i went to wikipedia and i read through the sort of general plot lines um which i probably shouldn't have done in retrospect but it does look like the the tv show is following the plot line of the actual book so which is kind of interesting so yeah so if you have have, you've never read um brave new world have you i have not and i don't think i've actually read 1984 i think i'm more familiar with it based on its like you know presence in mainstream media yeah yeah right as as well, there was a movie done. There was a movie. Who's the guy who was? Who was the guy who the alien alien popped out of in the first Aliens movie? Played the played the doc the war doctor in Doctor Who. Or you wouldn't know that either, would you? No, I wouldn't. But I do know the just because it's such an iconic scene, I, and I've seen it multiple times. I do know the face of the person you're talking about, but I don't know his name. Yeah, so he played the main character in 1984. The other book we had to read too was Fahrenheit 451. Do you remember that one? 
So that one I I, I didn't read, but it, it was a, a weird thing in like sixth or seventh grade. I don't remember which one it was, where the class could choose one of like four different books and right, yeah. they were roughly evenly distributed. And I don't know how they did this fairly because like very clearly they used up all the books. Uh, it wasn't like everybody chose the one cool book or something. And, and one part of the class read Fahrenheit 451 and then had to do like a like a group sort of book report. Uh, my group yeah. ended up with um, it was either The Outsiders or maybe Of Mice and Men. I don't remember because I, I remember reading both and I don't remember if, which one was the book for that time. Right, cool. Do you know what Fahrenheit 451 is? I mostly remember about how there were uh, so-called firefighters uh, that, mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know, in the irony of their name, wouldn't go and put out fires. It'd be quite the opposite. They would find um, illegal material. Uh, I don't know if all books were illegal or just certain ones, but they would find them and then, you know, burn them. That's what they would do. Yeah, all books all books were illegal. That, that okay. Thing. And they had full yeah. screen, like the full, the wall of the, your house was a TV kind of deal. Um, Fahrenheit 451 apparently is the temperature at which books burn. I do remember, I remember that. I think it might have been on the, uh, the, the little like tagline on the on the book that they put. You know, the oh, cover. maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jonathan has posted something here in the fact check. I don't know why he's got Legion of, oh, Legion of Super Pets. I guess this is following up on Comet, Streaky, Crypto, Beepo. Beepo, I guess, was Super Monkey. I don't know. Beepo? Um, or, Beepo, or the Beppo, Super Monkey. Maybe. Yeah. Comet, the Super Horse. Crypto, the Super Dog. And Streaky, the Super Cat. Yeah. I, I, were they all like, were they all ejected from Krypton like uh, like Superman was Super Dude? Anyway, yeah, those are those are the Legion of Super Pets. And uh, what's the other one he's got here? Well, the one that uh, he's got is the post credit scene because we were wondering, oh yeah, sort of what is the earliest one? And uh, although we were, you know, fairly decent by going with with Ferris Bueller as an example because it's just a pretty iconic one, and that's in the eighties. It apparently turns out that uh, going backwards in time from that, the nineteen seventy nine Muppet movie did something with a post-credit scene and going way back before that is Night of the Living Dead in 1968 that had uh, credits showing uh, stills of the people burning the zombies and all of the action and so it's uh, I guess it kind of depends on this Wikipedia entry has like well you know there's also differences in contemporary examples too that some are merely trailers for the next movie some are uh, let's let's you know like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is done of like well let's introduce you to some you know character or concept that gets you excited for the next movie in the franchise sort of thing so it's definitely uh it's definitely an interesting topic to talk about like you know what is the first post-credit scene what do you consider post-credit scene you know they show bloopers or something like a like a jackie chan film does that count or is that some distinct and different thing the uh scholars will argue forever i'm sure yeah some of my favorite ones are like the the scene where they go to eat shawarma at the end of uh, the avengers i think it is yeah yeah (laughs) and uh which is they're all tired yeah pixar would have fun fun i love the the bugs life one the i think that's the first one i saw where yeah 1998 it says here where you know they have like the sort of outtakes like and and i don't know if these are real outtakes or they or they they were outtakes and they turned them into animations or whatever but yeah those are funny like uh kevin spacey saying you talking to me (laughs) do i look funny to you (laughs) yeah it's hard to tell if they were ad-libbing 
thing in the studio and then just say, hey, that'd be funny. Why don't we animate that in your character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sure there must be tons of outtakes on, like, you know, like I read things wrong all the time and you guys laugh at me, right? Anyway, let's see if we can jump into the headlines. Jonathan's not with us today. He's uh, uh, under the weather. So uh, we're going to try and fake our way through his uh, his headlines. I'm sure he's just loving this part. Uh, do you want to do the Nick Fury one there, Jaime? I have no idea. I'll yeah, I was, I was reading through it and uh, there's not much to go on here. But apparently, uh, according to Variety, is saying that Samuel L. Jackson will uh, reprise his role as Nick Fury in a exclusive Marvel series for Disney Plus. So that'll that'll be interesting. That uh, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. And of course, the next story is a Markham team. Markham is a uh, small sort of town, part of Toronto, just north of north of the city. Um, it's actually where we call Silicon North, actually. Um, and Markham team has been cast as Ms. Marvel. And the Disney Plus series, her name is, uh, she's going to play this, the, um, the, her name is Aman Valani, and she's been cast as the title role of Ms. Marple and playing a superhero named Kamala Khan, the Pakistani-American teen living in New Jersey, in Marvel's first Muslim character. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I did have a question because I did look up, um, uh, I didn't see this exact link, but I'd, I'd let uh, Jonathan know on the interwebs. as like, hey, here's a freebie for you. Uh, I see something that's uh, Canadian. And when I looked on the map, I'm like, oh, wow, they're really close in Ontario to where Toronto is. I used to work in Markham, actually. That's how close they are. Yeah. I, I, I know we've talked about this before, and I probably should just like have it on a post-it note on my wall. But is Markham one of the six or is it distinctly outside the perimeter of the six? The six districts? Yeah, it's a G- part of the gta i think it was originally uh its own city it may have had its own government and stuff like like i live i live in east york right now and east york used to have its own city hall and scarborough is the biggest borough um area around here and uh not the biggest in canada but it's the biggest around here and it and then there's markham north so so for me like east of me is scarborough north of me is markham um then toronto is to the west and then there's richmond hill which is north of north of Toronto and Thornhill, Vaughan, and um, all of those together became the, the what they call the GTA or the mega 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 city, right? Because uh, we have the GTA, which is a Greater Toronto Authority area or something like that, and then but all of this became the mega city. I'm sure Jonathan's going to fact check the heck out of this like next week, but um, yeah. So so these are all like they were all sort of. Oh, North York was the other one I'm thinking of. North York was had its own city hall too. That's like uh, Young Street. I don't know if you've heard of Young Street, but it's our big long street. Um, I think it's the longest in north america maybe um but uh if you drive from downtown toronto up young street you will eventually hit north york but north york has now been amalgamated and amalgamated that's what i'm looking for into the into the mega city right so yeah so i think markham is was one of the um distinct boroughs that got melded into toronto amalgamated into toronto proper anyway cool um next story here that jonathan's this is jonathan right posted the boys mm-hmm. is getting a spin-off um yeah they had a second apparently as jonathan said last week it was the top rated show on uh, on netflix after a great um great season second season i'm just trying to see who what the spin-off is going to be about uh, well you do that it's uh for amazon you said netflix because it's basically the 
no. default <laughs> when we think of streaming, but just to avoid a fact yeah, yeah, check, yeah. it's on uh, Amazon. Yes, we won't get Jonathan to get mad at us. He's already yelling at his screen. I can just hear. I can hear him now. So what it says here that I see is that it's um, a spinoff at uh, America's only college, exclusively for young adult superheroes, run by uh, the the main villain corporation, Vought International. Vought, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. you know, covering the the like the college life sort of thing of like you know. Uh, it, it kind of makes sense given, you know, it's not too much spoilers for the series. It's basically the premise that superheroes are a, um, you know, a, a big thing. And, and they're yeah. like, they've got a whole manufactured brand, right? They've got social yeah. media and they've got, you know, Pepsi tie-ins or whatever sort of brands are there. Yeah. And, and what, so it sounds like they're taking on the, the what's the school that uh, the kids go to in X-Men, um, which is actually Casaloma, by the way, Toronto's Casaloma. It's like Professor Xavier's school for the gifted is what I would yeah, guess if I had yeah, I uh, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty good guess. Well, I'm going to let you do the next one because you actually posted it. So you posted the next four, so off you go. Yeah, um, I, I think I had mentioned in one of the headlines in the past, so it's technically follow-up in a way, that uh, a Resident Evil animated series based on the did, yeah. the uh, the, the um, uh, video games of, of fame is coming to Netflix, and this is the official teaser, which shows some really cool moody stuff with uh, characters from the games that I recognize, Claire Redfield and Leon Kennedy. So uh, it doesn't give a whole lot, just sort of gives you the mood. Um, I don't think it gave a specific date. I think it just said 2021. Let me zoom all the way to the end of this video. Coming 2021. So so no specific date yet, unfortunately. No, I didn't know that uh, it was an animated series. And Interesting. But I, saw, I can actually see the headline here. It says Netflix will only stream in 4K to Max that have a T2 security chip. I haven't seen... Uh, well, I mean, I've seen the headline. I haven't seen the reasoning why but yeah that is an interesting thing that uh, for whatever reason i assume it's drm related they're they're only streaming 4k to certain ones which seems a little weird um like i could understand why they might why netflix might do and, and, and the funny thing that was really weird is i think when i seen had seen the headline it was presented as if like apple had done something and i said wait a minute right. no it sounds like netflix is specifically saying we're only supporting max with a t2 chip yeah what about on the windows side then it doesn't make sense yeah hmm? exactly Exactly. Like they can receive four. Do they not get 4K? I mean, how does that work? It doesn't. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Oh, is, is it? Oh, you think it's because of the 4K? You'll be able to rip it off and crisp and perfect, and just pulling it down from the web. I have. I, I again, I haven't read the article, so I don't. I don't know the details, but that's what I would assume the reasoning All right. is. Cool. All right. Oh yeah, it's saved by the bell. I'm going to spoil this one for you. Well, maybe I'll spoil it for you. I don't know. What, you, like you, you know what's going to happen. No, in the reboot, no, no. Or what I, do you mean I have, spoil I have an interest. I have an interesting anecdote after after you're done so go ahead oh you're going to ruin it for me uh in yes, terms of like, okay no that's fine that's, I, that's I take it you're a saved by the bell fan i was perfectly the right age when the original oh, saved okay. by the bell came out yeah. okay. <laughs> um yeah. and and so what we're talking about here is that uh the peacock streaming service owned by uh, nbc universal is going to go with what they, you know they're calling it reboot in this article but it sounds like it's actually a continuation it's not really a reboot of saved by the bell because the the characters uh like for example zach morris basically the main character from uh, the ensemble show from the, the 90s, uh, he still exists. And not only that, he is the governor of California. And uh, really? wow. <laughs> and Mario Lopez is going to come back for some some roles. And 
um, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley Lauren, and uh, oh, really? So Zach is married to Kelly Kapowski. So it sounds like the, a whole bunch of them are coming back. They just haven't talked about Screech yet. Uh, I forget right, his, yeah, his real yeah. name. And the premise is that uh, the 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 Zach, the California governor, is under pressure. He has to shut down some schools and shove some. Um, some kids from like lower uh, lower funded schools into more affluent schools, including his former alma mater, uh, Bayside High, and as they say here, hijinks ensue. So I don't feel comfortable calling this a reboot. I feel like this is a, a sequel or a continuation because we we still it's not as if new people are taking over the existing characters. It sounds like brand new characters continuing the same world, very similar to Cobra Kai, is not a reboot of the Karate Kid, but more of a continuation. Right, continuation. Cool. So it so my story is this is. Um, I was a member, I joined a Toastmasters group in my neighborhood. Um, I live in a neighborhood called Riverdale, which might give a clue to some people. And um, let's put it up, there's a lot of rainbow flags flying in my neighborhood. And uh, so I I looked up where to go to Toastmasters and it was a Toastmasters like literally two blocks away from my house, like a a five minute walk, right? So I had no excuse not to go to Toastmasters. So I went and joined this group called the Rainbow Toastmasters. It is the only LGBT gay group in uh is, is that the right way to say it i don't know uh the only lgbt q plus is usually q plus, say, yeah, yeah. Q plus, yeah yeah the the only group in canada right there's another one in the states apparently um and it's pretty good so but so after we would do our toastmasters thing we go through the whole ceremony and whatever and do all our speeches and things we would go up to the danforth and have a beer and i was sitting around the table with the boys as it were and we were talking about like the boys and the girls the ladies would come up to but i was talking to them about saved by the bell came up and i said and i sort of went and they were talking about saved by the bell and how much they enjoyed the show and you know like you know like they liked you know watching the characters and oigling them and all that kind of stuff and then i went wait a minute you were watching saved by the bell for a completely different reason i was i was looking at the girls mm-hmm. they weren't looking at the girls yeah i mean that <laughs> kind of makes sense given <laughs> the that you were talking about it and uh, I, I don't know how everyone else has has aged out of the cast but Mario Lopez has done pretty well and is arguably better looking as a much older man than he was when he was well, he, in his physical prime. Was, according to these guys, he was a good looking guy too. So was the, the guy with the blonde hair too. But yeah, I, I really didn't watch the show. It was probably a little bit younger than like I was a little older at that point in time. But yeah, it just, I just, it just like, it was such an eye opening experience for me that, that somebody could be watching a TV show that I watched in the past and see it from a completely different perspective. It was funny. If you want anyway. uh, uh another completely different perspective and and this is saying this as somebody who who grew up with the show and enjoyed it i've enjoyed a series of very short youtube videos i want to say they're like uh five to seven minute recaps of saved by the bell episodes but it's the series is called zach morris is trash and it covers like how sociopathic and psychotic the main character is and how he just completely abuses the heck out of his his friends and family and it's it's hilarious i if you enjoy the show i'd say you know the zach morris is trash i didn't say who, who watched those because they're hilarious it's like oh man yeah like we have uh we have changed as a society that some of these storylines would not have been appropriate so it's like those cuts that they do where they take a comedy show and they do like a thriller cut of it like for like a trailer fake trailer kind of thing no yeah. no this is like completely based on exactly what happens i mean it's presented in a humorous way but i it's... mean like is actually using clips from the show or yeah yeah it, it's um very it's it's not recut like the like the like the mary poppins as a as a horror movie thing right like very clearly 
really hurt. Mary Poppins is not a horror movie. This one is just literally analyzing what is going on uh, and, and talking about like real world consequences for it. Like for as an example, where one episode Zach essentially forces you know the the teenage underage girls because they're all high schoolers, right? To um to like a bikini contest or something for money, and it's like hey, you know, he's essentially like pimping them is what he's doing there, right? It's like yeah, that's kind of messed up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, cool. All right, what's next? Next one is um, sort of a continuation of Spotify's uh, dabbling, or maybe more than dabbling, probably really heavy investment in um, podcasting as a medium. And they apparently have an exclusive DC Comics podcast coming out called Batman Unburied that will explore Bruce Wayne's psychology, which seems like Mm. it could be pretty neat. Um, They don't have many other details. It will debut in 2021. Um, It will uh, apparently be... uh, uh, executive produced, not necessarily written, but executive produced by uh, David S. Goyer, who is the screenwriter behind uh, Batman Begins with, from Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. So should be interesting because the, the Batman and Bruce Wayne psyche is uh, definitely a, a deep, dark area to go into if uh, if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. He definitely is a twisted guy from that perspective. Like, you know, it sounds, pretty, you know, in, in the, the um, Adam West era, it sounds like a fluffy sort of campy, you know, thing. But when you get down into the the you know the darkness of of you know his whole obsession with the person who killed his parents and all that kind of stuff and using his money to it's almost like that John Cena we were talking about last week where he, he you know he the only way to get peace was through violence right sort of the, the irony of that cool so what's next on your hit parade here next one is a uh, Disney Plus uh, docu series called uh, Marvel's uh, Six One Six which is going to explore um, sort of different areas of the 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 Marvel Universe. Uh, apparently, each is directed by uh, a filmmaker of some prominence that you would you would know. Uh, some some actors, and it will cover. Uh, it sounds like fandom and the, the sort of cultural importance of some of these characters. Uh, so it, it looks kind of interesting. I, it, I mean, some of the trailer here shows uh, like people in cosplay, as an example, or comic book shops and other things. So kind of exploring the, as I understand it, the cultural impact of uh, of uh, the these legends and heroes and brands right cool and this next one i guess conan o'brien is coming to netflix apparently <laughs> we're all team coco right <laughs> yeah. uh conan the barbarian tv series is uh but yes i also read that funny enough asked conan o'brien when i first said conan series coming to netflix I was like oh maybe it's like a comedy thing it's not exclusive to tbs anymore and no it's uh it's it's new stuff based on the uh the sword and sorcery character created by robert e howard which hmm, cool. uh which will be interesting Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've never actually read the the source books of Conan the Barbarian, but besides seeing the the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and and, and more modern media, my sort of mental view of Conan the Barbarian is actually based on the um, the comics, and they were like right. big like newspaper type comics. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. they have anything at all to do with the the source novels, but oh, they were actually novels to begin with. I guess similar to like Tarzan kind of stories. And I, I think I don't know from Mars. I was under the impression that the the comic books were not the original source material for for Conan the Barbarian. I think right, there are right. novels in the um, 
in the like Cthulhu-esque kind of uh, novels, you know, written around the same time sort of thing. Yeah. What was that movie about the the dude from Mars? Um, that I think Disney made a movie out of it. It was like a big budget movie. And anyway, pod, like, oh, I forget what it was called, but Jonathan knows he's probably screaming at the phone right now. But um, uh, I did, I did, uh, I read the original book, right? Because I wanted to find out what the story was. And, and then I went back and watched the movie and the movie is not bad, but the book was a lot better, obviously. Uh, let me look at my Amazon account, see if I can remember what it's called. No, not Audible, I should say, right? Audible. You don't know what I'm talking about? No, a, a person from Mars. Yeah, it's about, what's well, an Earthman who goes to Mars. Oh, Mars a person who goes a, to Mars. Okay, sorry. Yeah, they, they have this big, uh, big culture thing here. Library. I've got tons of books here on Amazon, on Audible to get through. Oh, John Carter. Oh, John Carter of Mars, the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do know that that was based on books. Well, Edgar Rice Burroughs, who's the same person who wrote the Tarzan stories, right? Oh, I, okay. I read some of those back in the, back in the day, too. I was a huge Tarzan fan. I was a kid, too. But, yeah. There was a Tarzan TV show, I think, in the 60s. That's where I kind of got into Tarzan. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so my, this is almost a who cares story, but uh, Zachary Quinto was interviewed a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, I, I guess, um, that says the Kelvin cast is ready to come back and do another set of Star Trek movies. And um, yeah, so, hmm. and, and apparently it broke down because of they wanted to have uh, Chris, Chris Helmsworth come back and play George, uh, Kirk, George, what's Kirk's last name? Kirk, yeah, George Kirk. And, uh, and they also wanted to have Chris Pine come back and play Kirk. And apparently the the uh the salary negotiations broke down um between between those two and and paramount uh, but yeah apparently the whole crew including uh chris pine are ready to come back and do more star trek for us but as uh quinto points out in the interview that it seems to be a pretty saturated market right now with with the television shows going on right uh between uh lower decks uh discovery and the picard series right yeah that, that must be kind of tough because back when you know star trek 2000 came out and chris hemsworth was like just a guy you know he didn't even yeah. have his own uh, thor movie out in the theaters yet and obviously he's been yeah. very iconic and, and he is chris hemsworth you know everybody knows who he is if they don't know his name they know his face as thor uh, yeah, so I, sure. I can imagine the uh, the salary bump must go up uh, quite a bit for that sort of thing yeah yeah because it was just a bit part in the very beginning of the movie you know so hmm. All right, so and some Transformers, yay! Like not a huge Transformers fan, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this one might be more for uh, you know folks who are fans of the the '80s versions of the Transformers. This is actually the second part of the three-part series. They're calling it a trilogy. It's a little weird because I think the first part of the trilogy was six six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, War for Cybertron trilogy right. is what we're talking about mm-hmm. here. This is the second of six episodes. They don't have anything other than a coming soon uh, for a date. Uh, and I don't want to spoil too much if you haven't seen the, the first part, but it does continue following along with the uh, the the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons and the war for Cybertron and, and the ramifications of very big decisions that were made at the end of the the prior part of the trilogy so cool. if you're right. interested in that i'd say uh if you haven't listened to our episode where i talked about this it is as if you took the 1980s cartoons um animated them with cgi and i was heavily impressed with how they maintained the very recognizable characters but also made them 
uh, grittier with the like texture work as an example where the it mm. looks like you know like like go to a junkyard and then see how the cars look beat up and scratched up and and they're missing you know pieces and and that's how these characters look which is really really cool and and, and it will i will say that it is um it is somewhat more violent <laughs> than the the 80s cartoon it's it's still cartoony violence in a way because it's you know it, it's not uh flesh characters so characters do lose hands and arms and stuff but it's kind of like a lightsaber wound if i were to to put it as an analogy for star wars so it's uh maybe not for your little 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 ones but uh it, it, you can probably watch this with the kids for the most part as long as they're not uh, a little too taken aback by some of the more serious themes here cool and so what do you think about that i mean i guess you grew up with transformers too but what do you think about the transformer movies are they too glitzy and too clean or uh it's some of the problems with the the michael bay movies uh where the character designs were a little too too messy and it's a little hard to see uh what's going on it's kind of hard to tell who's fighting who when they just see chunks of metal flying around and and that's not the case here where there's you know bright vibrant colors you know it's very clearly oh megatron is this you know this gray metal box and optimus prime is this you know big red and blue box and when they move you can see that they are and and the transformation sequences are a little bit more um like the toys actually of anything and uh for the more modern transformers movies i actually really did like the bumblebee one because they they redid the character design to look more like um you know like the the 80s cartoon design but yet still made it make sense in a uh in a more realistic movie And, and it was a little bit more um uh, sort of more positive in a tone versus the the other ones that are like very grim, dark, and serious. And 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 there is some seriousness to the Bumblebee movie, but it's still a little bit friendlier for kids, I think. All right. Well, this last story here, we were talking about. Um... Uh, last week we were talking about uh, uh, Supergirl going into its last season and, and Jonathan hypothesized that it could be that, you know, getting shows made in Canada is is a challenge and uh, sure enough, the CBC uh, news channel has, or news yeah, news website, has come up with, uh, with this story saying that yes, U- US television productions are stalled in Vancouver by a bottleneck in COVID-19 testing. I don't know what it's like for you down in the States, but, um, and we're, we're coming into a second wave here in Canada, uh, it seems. And, uh, you know, wait times to get, um, like the kids are back in school. You know, if a kid has a sniffle, you're supposed to go to get COVID tested. Um, and people are waiting hours and hours and hours to, to get uh, tested. And of course, you know, you got your your young kid with you at the same time and you're standing in line waiting to get these tests done. And so that obviously is affecting um, the TV shows that are filmed here. You know, the mysterious Benedict society, big sky, mighty ducks and a billion little things are on hiatus. Um, they call out Bat, Batwoman, Charmed, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, which are all sort of uh, being affected by this, right? The Good Doctor as well. Um, and Netflix is made, which I'm not too familiar with. But yeah, so this is obviously, it is definitely a real thing that uh, the COVID, uh, the ability to get people tested and make sure that they're clean and that kind of stuff and, you know, not carrying an infection is a big challenge. They're saying, yeah, because it takes, uh, according to this, 48 hours to turn around a test, which is 
obviously a little a little too long for these kind of businesses, I guess, to stay in business. What's it like in the States with, with COVID testing? What, what's happening down there with you, where you are? You know, I honestly don't know because it's a little bit more diffuse in all of the, the different methods that are being used. Like I imagine it varies state by state and might even manage to be different county by county. Um, I think for what I've sort of, it's not facts and data, but for what I notionally feel from uh, just sort of how testing seems to be presented in the, the nightly news uh, for the local news channels. It seems like you can still do the drive up stuff. I don't know how long it, it takes. It doesn't seem as if there's any stories about like massive backups. Um, but I, it could also just be that maybe people aren't going to get tests. Like like I myself haven't gotten tested because I haven't had any um, any exposures and I haven't you know felt sick in any way or had unusual symptoms. Um, so so I myself would have to look up you know if I did have a scare of some sort. I'd but to take a look and say, like, you know, where do I even go for the local one? I'm sure there's one in my my city, and it's probably in the in the parking lot of a business or something. But uh, right. it hasn't been right. a part of my daily life as I've been uh, largely, you know, uh, self self isolating. Uh, our family's a remote worker, so it's it's actually fairly easy to go. Um, you know, other than walking the dog, it's fairly easy to go uh, long stretches of time without seeing other people outside of our household. Right. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we're here at this point of the show where we start talking about Lower Decks and this week we're talking about uh, Season 1, Episode 9. One more episode to go as Jonathan would like to point out. Uh, this one is called Crisis Point and we start off on a planet sorry I didn't catch the name but Mariner has, you know, is full of herself because she's just freed the lizard men from their rat oppression and apparently the rats were eating the lizards uh, which is a thing you do and of course one of the lizard guys says well we are delicious and uh, you know She's like, yeah, Captain Freeman would pumped when she finds out that I routed out this oppression and whatever. And then here she comes now. And, of course, the captain beams down and she's not happy at all. And she says, announces right away that my ensign has made a huge mistake. Starfleet is forbidden from planet, from interfering with planetary politics. And, and you know, Mariner is a little upset about this. And she's like, screw the prime directive. And she smashes her the captain's, Captain Freeman's uh, iPad uh, or pad, they call it, uh, to the ground. And, and uh, come on, they were eating those guys. What do you want me? to do and she says well you should have reported it to me and let me deal with it so you know now I have to explain why there's an interspecies war where there once was peace and and uh, Mariner says you know you don't want peace you just don't want to fill out a report and that, actually that's when she smashes her, her iPad <laughs> um, yeah it, uh, so you know and she's like if you weren't my and of course she's, she's taking her aside so they can talk about this in private she says if you weren't my daughter you'd be off the Cerritos and she's like if I was you know if you weren't if I weren't your daughter you you know, you wouldn't be such a bitch all the time, as she says to her, right? Um, and then she says, that's it. When we get back to the ship, she goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You're going to throw me into the brig. No, 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 no. You're going to go into therapy. And she's like, it's not the, this is the 80s. We don't have psychological problems, you know. <laughs> I don't get the reference to the 80s. I guess that's the time frame, I guess, right? She's like, Dr. Migdalo is the worst. He's always talking about non nonstop with food metaphors. Anyway, that's an order. You'll be going, right? So, and then she, Captain Freeman and turns to the to the rats and the lizards and she says, Will you stop eating these people if we give you replicators? And you go, I don't know, can they make nutrient nutrient pellets? And she says, Yes, of course they can, right? So Anyway, so she's up in she's up in uh, um, therapy now with this Dr. Migdalo, and, and he's like going on about it. it's a veritable soup fruit salad of issues, and you know the captain just wants to marinate you into a good officer and all his food metaphors, and you know she's you know I want to show her, and he, she goes, well, have you ever tried to make paella? You know, as a sort of uh, therapy, 
Anyway, so uh, we flash over to uh, the, the other three uh, compadres here, and uh, Tendi and Rutherford are on the holodeck, and they're, sh- they're skeet shooting with uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And Boimler comes in and says, I need the holodeck, you know, I've got to practice for my captain's interview. And uh, so what he's done is, and, and Mariner joins him, and what he's done is he's, uh, he's simulated the crew, and he's taken seven years of their private crew logs, to which somebody says, Isn't, aren't those private? And he's basically fed them into his algorithm to basically make them so that so that the characters will respond like they would in real life. And uh, you know, Rutherford says, "Oh, let me try." And he goes over and talks to Shaq. He goes, "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" And he, Don't talk to me. I'm pissed off. <laughs> and uh, wow, that's just like the conversation I had an hour ago. Um, and then uh, so this and yeah, he sort of says a similar simulator crew will respond. And Mariner goes, "Hey, hang on a second. This is they'll respond just like in real life." And she runs over and goes to the to the arch and starts programming the, the hijacks the program and starts uh, typing in like in interior rickety catwalk nighttime and he's like you know what are you doing and she goes i'm putting in my own parameters so she takes over the this thing and and uh and then um you know why are you being so mean to the captain what did she ever do to you and of course we all know what she's done to her but uh there you go and so she said i've made it into an awesome movie and all of a sudden we, the movie breaks out and and you see the names of the characters like you know um Ensign Mariner, I forgot her first name, Beckett Mariner, and, and uh, Bradward Boimler, and the t- titles are all in big 3D blocks, and they're all flying towards them, just like in, in the Star Trek movies, right? And um, so they got this whole Star Trek title sequence going, and he's like, I don't want to be in a movie. And she says, oh, you were such a, you're, you were kind of a Zon anyway. You weren't going to make the final cut. Anyway, I don't know what Zon is. I guess we'll have to look that up. Oh, I actually, um, I actually know this one because I did see somebody sure. talking about it. So Zon, X-O-N, was yeah. the character that was supposed to replace uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, Spock in the Star Trek um, movies? No, before they made the movie, there was like the second quest or, oh my gosh, it's called... Oh, oh, Star Trek 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where they they, they took a lot of the material from the the never-filmed TV series uh, of a sequel to to Star Trek, the original series, and just sort of morphed it into uh, Mm -hmm. the the motion picture. And by then, um, Leonard Nimoy had uh, gotten past whatever negotiating issues had uh, occurred with the, the studio and Spock's character mm-hmm. came back into the scene. Right, right, yeah, yeah. He didn't want to be. He was didn't want to be typecast as Spock for his life. It was a part of the story. Anyway, so yeah, he's like, hey, this is not a, the holodeck's an important work tool, not a fun thing. And and uh, Mariner and Tendi and, and Rutherford all run off to the off side stage and go, let's go get in the costume. And and uh, so we fly. And so all of a sudden, you know, Boimer finds himself in midair, falls down into a big giant lake, and uh, the captain and you know, captain and Shacks and and uh, Ransom and one other couple of other people are are dressed in their black you know black ops uniforms, but they're they're hydro scooting around the lake and of course doing you know serious scientific work. And um, so Boimler comes over on a scooter and says on a hydro scoot and says, "I need to can I can I ask the captain some questions?" And like you know, Ransom says, "I don't remember asking letting you come and do this." And um, anyway, so so she says, oh, "Vacation over." She gets they called up to the ship, so they're on a star base somewhere and. Uh, the admiral's like, I'm sorry to call you, call you into this, but uh, we got a message about a second contact situation with the San Clemente, 
And the problem is that San Starfleet doesn't have a San Clemente. Uh, so, and uh, Boimler speaks up, and and the admiral looks over and goes, "Whose boy is this?" Right? Because <laughs> I'm I'm you know Boimler. I'm here to learn and whatever. So, but I want you. I want so he tells the Freeman, I want you to take the Cerritos and investigate. And and of course, you know, as an aside, uh, Boimler says, you know, if this was the if this is really happening, they'd send the Enterprise because we're in the middle of the movie, right? And um, so you know, they're all ready to launch. And uh, so the Cerritos then gets the full, and I, I, I'm not quite sure of the timing, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a full two-minute Star Trek the movie-style flyby, you mm-hmm, know, where, mm-hmm. where everybody gets a big woody as they fly around the ship. And and the engineer, uh, the head of engineering, uh, Billups, it starts breaking down. He's crying. And, of course, they've got the J.J. The Abrams lens flare happening and, and the theme music swelling up and, you know, no words are spoken. And it's just, you know, just us and the and the shuttlecraft looking at the the glory that is the USS Cerritos, right? Um, and Boimler in the, in the shuttle says, I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. And, and the captain says, what was that, Boimler? And because he goes, uh, I, I meant she's a handsome lady. And, you know, he makes note in his little notepad that like, the captain was happy with her, him calling her a handsome lady. Anyway, so she show, uh, Freeman, Captain Freeman shows up on the bridge. And, of course, there's more lens flare and, you know, the, the glint uh, shining off of the captain's chair and Ransom offers her to sit down and she says, sits down and she says, let's take this puppy off its leash. And she says, warp me. And they fly off into wherever it is that we're going. And they arrive and there's the, the planet and Boimer says, the selenium rings are disrupting the sensors. And and uh, so they, they uh, Shaq says, uh, there's nothing. Oh, wait, there's an enemy ship decloaking. And, and uh, so we see... Uh, uh, Mariner dressed as like a sort of a, a renegade, you know, piratey kind of thing with with black makeup on, saying, "At last, we have, you know, you come to the, you've fallen into my trap like a rat to the bait, and at last, free man, uh, you know, we're, you know, we meet, and and uh, and uh, she says, they say, who is that? And Captain Freeman says, I have no idea who that is, right? And I am Vendictor, and vengeance, I'm vengeance personified, and I will bl- bathe in your blood and you know this is my you know hench one of my henchmen tendy the slave girl from a long line of thieving orion pirates <laughs> and and over here is rutherford bionic five and you know half man meat and half robot meat and all pain 100 percent pain and tremble at the sight you know kind of thing and and this is shempo and shempo's like this little weaselly guy stands up and you know is being a little sort of wimpy and you know i was supposed to be played by boimler um anyway she so uh, Vendictor says, who's, who's really uh, Mariner says to the captain, Captain Freeman, uh, an errand, you're an errand girl, Freeman, blindly follow, you know, following or licking uh, Starfleet's boot, begging for heel. Um, and uh, Shampo brings her some tea, and of course, but she takes one sip, and of course, it's coffee. I don't remember, does she hate coffee? I forget. But uh, so she d- uses a disruptor and basically disintegrates uh, Shampo, right? We haven't seen dress disruptors in this. This series yet, but uh, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've seen phasers on stun and that kind of stuff, but not disruptors. Um, and of course, Captain yells into the, the calm. You didn't have to do that, and you know. And she says, "Yeah, you can." And Freeman or uh, Mariner says, "You can't even appreciate your your most creative thinkers." And uh, and then she, Captain says, "This vindictor is all over the place." And 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 meanwhile, she's you know Mariner's quoting, and and Ransom says, "Wait a minute, is she quoting the Tempest?" 
And then, of course, the tape starts to glitch and, you know, Mariner keeps repeating the same sentence over and over again. And then they realize that they're actually watching a recording. And meanwhile, you know, the, the little pod has come over to the Cerritos and starts boring through the hall and out of it jump or lands uh, um, Rutherford in costume and, and um, Tendi and, and Mariner. And they start running down the hall. And, of course, you know, all of a sudden the whole thing stops because Mariner's cape gets stuck in the, in the, the door. And she says... God, these stupid capes! So much fabric, <laughs> and then, they, then she starts disrupting everybody and and blowing them all up. And bring me free man, and I will let you live. And uh, Rutherford says, "Hey, you know this is this is cool. I can I can say anything I want." And he goes off to talk to his boss, and so he walks away. And, and Tendi says, "Hey, wait, we're supposed to hinge <laughs> or hench, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ransom is like, you know, he's running up and he's being all sort of you know superhero kind of Riker like, and and uh, he's like, "You can't, you." Can you can talk the talk but can you and she starts firing at him and he hit, she hits him and he says oh she can walk and she can talk and then uh, Boimler comes up and says hey by the way what kind of cookies does the captain like and, and uh, uh, Ransom says oh yeah cookies that's a good move you, you know uh, but but she's allergic to and then just as he says to he gets um, disintegrated and disappears so Boimler has no idea what the captain's allergic to and meanwhile we flop, flash over to uh, to uh, what do you say hard cut over to engineering you say differently every time um Sometimes andy billups cut, depending on smash yeah. cut yeah so andy billups he says rutherford says you know you think you're the best engineer in the fleet well i have been wanting to say this for a long time you are the best engineer in the fleet <laughs> and i love how you program subroutines and whatever and they start going over and they're working out the problem with with what's going on and they, they decided they t- together they they announced that they should create a rudimentary f- plasma filter and um you know he says for a space pirate you sure know your way around the you know the engineering and uh we we flash back over we smash cut over to the to the bridge and and uh, uh mariner has a borg head and she throws uh throws the borg head at shocks who grabs it and realizes that the borg head is going to explode and of course blood and guts everywhere and they're all covered in blood and guts and and so tendy and mariner are the only ones left standing and um mariner catches uh um shocks's bajoran earring she says tendy you have to wear this and you know you have to wear this earring it's really cool and, and tendy's like oh, i don't think so that's you know a religious symbol and and um you know oh actually she I forgot to mention earlier that she takes offense at the fact that she um tend or uh, mariner keeps talking about the orion pirates and you know stop that's not my thing i'm not an orion pirate and the orions haven't been pirates for at least five years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, yeah, let's go torture the, the cat doctor. And she says, her name is, that's not her, her name is Dr. Tana. And she's a decent person, whatever. She says, you're way into this. You're way too into this, right? This, you know, uh, you know, because there's more blood and guts happening. And, and uh, this isn't healthy. And, you know, why, can we stop the movie? And and um, uh, Mariner says, no. And anyway, she, so Tendy says, arch. And of course, the arch appears and she walks out and she says, no, I'm fine. This is good. And, and uh, she goes, let me take down the captain then we can go get some tacos and and but uh tendy walks out the arch uh by the way i don't know if you notice there's even a cigarette burn in the in the uh do you know what a cigarette burn is you ever watch uh, fight club yeah yeah so there's a cigarette burn as as they come over to the bridge, right, to indicate that they're changing the reel, uh, which is a movie thing. And um, yeah, so there's no and she's, there's nobody left on the bridge, and she's calling for Shax, and she's calling for ransom, and of course there's no answer from them. And uh, Vendictor appears at the at the door of the bridge, and she says, you know, 
there's no one left for you to hide behind, Captain Freeman. And uh, I love how it, like the sort of Star Trek uh, trope of of mispronouncing the name, you know? Yeah, like Human. Human, uh, yes. Yeah. You'll never take my ship, she says. I don't want your ship. I want you to stop treating me like I'm the bad guy all the time. She says, you are the bad guy. No, I'm not. You just don't. You never side with me. I don't even know who you are. Like, of course, in the movie, the captain or the the um, the Captain Freeman has no idea who this crazy character is. You, you, my God, you're crazy, she says. And then she she goes, you think that's crazy? Watch this. And she blows up the, her own, the enemy ship warp core, which then takes out the Cerritos. And the Cerritos goes hurtling towards the uh, to the planet. And of course, now we flash to the the uh, is it um, which is the series where they crash the the generation ship where well star trek generations was the tng uh movie that where they did this there is um voyagers this timeless that does uh, a, a similar kind of thing in terms right. of like showing the ship hitting the, the planet surface the planet, yeah. yeah 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 is that the timeless is that the one where, where the the bad guys take over the ship and kick everybody off of it i might have the wrong mm-hmm. name the one i'm thinking of is where um voyager had this i, I want to say they were oh, trying to do like time slip, loops that slip stream or something and yeah and yeah. and they're all excited but it turns out there was a mistake and almost everybody ends up dead except for uh chakotay and uh ensign kim who in the future right. want to go back to the past and and keep voyager from from crash landing oh right yeah i love the stories that's one of my favorite episodes of of um of star trek next generation is the one where they're they're doing something and they end up blowing up in a supernova and then they repeat that they're stuck in a time loop and they they, they repeat repeat the old same thing over and over again and then data starts to realize that that they're in this loop right <laughs> and right gets them out of it right so yeah i don't know how he managed to do that but anyway i, I like that story I, I love it when they when they play with the timelines like that right anyway so she blows up her own warp core and crashes the ship into the planet and of course we have this big long you know scene sequence where and it's funny as the ship's coming down to the planet it's just like the saucer section left and it, you're thinking it's going to skid to a halt like like the next generation ship does but or the the, the Star Trek uh, or the Enterprise D, I guess it is at that point. Um, but it ends up on its end, on its edge, and it rolls like a coin to a stop. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so the you know the red the computer comes on the computer the, the the ship has crashed the ship has crashed. So the captain calls for an emergency evacuation, and off they go and. Um, she's like, give up the loving Captain Ack. And she's like, I'm not acting. This is real love. This is how it is, right? Anyway, so we flash over to Rutherford and, and uh, Billups. And uh, B- Rutherford says, oh, it's okay. You know, I, I, I beamed everybody off the crew just before we crashed. And he says, what? How did you do that? You, you can't do that. He goes, no, no, it's a movie. You can do all kinds of beamy stuff in a movie. <laughs> and then uh, anyway, so back to, to smash cut over to uh, to Mariner as Vindictor and uh, and Captain Freeman, she's like, you've been a jerk since I was eight. And she says, I don't even know you, right? And then the simulated Mariner shows up and she's like, da-da-da, she's going to take over and, and, you know, get away from my mom, you bitch, which is like a throwback to Aliens 2 with Ripley, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, she, they start fighting. And of course, you know, uh, for every move that, that either one of the two Mariner makes, the other one blocks it. And she says, I know all of your moves, you know. And I know you actually love the warp core she's like no way man the work core's lame and you take that back and and uh 
Anyway, the, the, you know, break all the rules because that's what people expect, which is kind of what we've been saying in the show is like, maybe that's why she's, she's, uh, she's doing this. Right. And, uh, why don't you do the hard thing and be a good officer? And, and, uh, anyway, so she's like, you know, I don't want to be the villain. You are the villain, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, Anyway, so so uh, back over to uh, to Billups and uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it ends up you know the the, the big you know, fight scene or whatever, and they end up you know destroying each other. And then Mariner says to the good Mariner, simulator Mariner says to Vindictor that uh, you know I've been I've been fighting with you all this time just to you know so you wouldn't notice that I set the self destruct sequence on the ship. And of course, then the whole Cerritos blows up. And but in the meantime, she's given everybody time to escape, right? So she's basically been buy, you know buying some time, and which is another Star Trek trope, of course, right? Yeah. Anyway, so she's like you know as they're arguing, she's like the captain's my mom. I do anything for her. You can't stop complain you complain about her nonstop and well she's hard on me you know and i'd be done if i was off the cerritos i'd be out of starfleet right anyway so she realizes that after the after the whole series is over and they're back she's back on the holodeck again after the, the episode's over uh, she says oh my god therapy works and she's like you know apologizing to tendy and apologizing to rutherford and, and realizing this whole time that you know she's she's sort of been looking at everything wrong right and then uh, she's Tendi says, "Let's go look at the warp core." And she goes, oh, "Yeah, I'll go." It's so lame, but yeah, I'll come with you. And you know, Rutherford runs off to look at the warp core as well. And then she runs into the captain, Captain Freeman. She says, "You know, sorry, you should apologize for how I behaved earlier." And you know, gives her a fist pump. And the captain goes to the, to the therapist, and she's like, "You know, w- w- you know, what's she trying to do? She's trying to fool me for some reason. She doesn't. She can't buy the the explanation." Of course, you know. The doctor's talking about how things are a real pickle, and Carol, you're being a pineapple, and all that kind of stuff, right? So, and she yells at him, stop with the food metaphors. Anyway, so Boimler um, goes back into the simulator to sort of finish his, his assignment, and he goes back into the simulated world, and of course, we're at the end of the, the movie, and, you know, they're burying Mariner, and the captain says, you know, she was, you know, she was also my daughter, and if you know, I don't know what I would do if anybody found out she was my daughter. I'd have to kick them out of Starfleet or or court martial them at least. You know, I don't know what what I could do if if somebody found out. Of course, you know, Boimler's listening to this whole thing, and he's like, he doesn't know that Mariner's is the captain's daughter, but all of a sudden he does now, right? And uh, so he's finally in his captain's um, captain's meeting with the captain, and, and he's he's freaking out. And he, actually, he runs into Mariner earlier too, and he's like, I'm fine. He, now that he's got this this new no knowledge right mm-hmm. and he's sitting down with the captain for the captain's interview and he's like freaking out because he's twitching he's trying not to like you know reveal that he knows that this secret that the captain will you know threaten to throw anybody out of starfleet for so he's completely completely freaked out and he completely blows the whole interview because of it and um and the captain's final comment was you know boimler didn't prepare for his captain's interview which is what the whole episode was about right um, mm-hmm. ironically anyway so uh so and, and then we, we at the end of the whole series we we see the a pod land on an escape pod land on a planet and uh, similar to the genesis planet like uh, spock you know landed there and vendictor rises out of the the pod for to exact her vengeance but of course da vinci's there with a skeet gun and shoots her not on da vinci's watch he says Right. That's how the episode ends. Um, and they have the 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 signatures like TMP, I think. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah all yeah, the signatures yeah. of the of the character. And, oh, each one like written in hand in script. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That one cool. was uh, that was a 
an interesting one. And I, uh, I'll point out on Shempo, the, the name sounded familiar, and, and people online had said that they think that since it was a, a stand-in for, for Boimler, um, mm-hmm. they think that was a, a sly reference to Shemp from the Three Stooges, who right. uh, apparently yeah, the, died. The four Stooge, yeah. yeah, so he died yeah. before um, the studio had uh, finished all of the Three Stooges movies that it had promised to uh, to to uh, theaters. And so they apparently got some other person to be a stand-in for Shemp try to fill in the the movies and meet the well, they had a guy named curly they had curly at the it was that curly no, that was a different they, character i'm talking about is they had other actors filling in and they would like shoot them oh. from behind and oh, from okay. a different angle and everything so you couldn't tell that it was like a stand-in like a stunt double is what we would call it nowadays right and and i, I think that's why the character's name was was shempo that it was a a, a stand-in for boimler's character well, that's interesting because, you know, Tatiana Maslany, who plays uh, the, um, she plays all those clones in, in Orphan Black, right? There's a girl who looks physically the same as her, and she's her body double. So, you know, all those scenes where she would shoot, she would shoot with the body double in place, and then they would reverse and reshoot the scene again. And that's how they were able to get the clone to look and act and as if it was, in, you know, so when you're looking, when she's looking at the other character, she's actually looking at another person, right? So... That's how they were able to do that sort of seamless uh, back and forth, right? So yeah, cool. Yeah, I was going to say, like in Bewitched, they did the same thing where Bewitched had had a cousin who would show up, and it was played by Elizabeth Elizabeth Montgomery as well. And they weren't quite as well as good because you know you'd sort of have, and they do like a split screen television effect, right? So or might might have been on film, I guess back then. Yeah, cool. Yeah, what you were saying? I was going to say, what did uh, what did you end up thinking about this episode? I mean, you know, I watched it real quick because uh, because I, I couldn't find it for some reason on on my my Crave system. I couldn't get it to work on my my iPad, which is where I normally watch it. But yeah, so I I, I really like the idea. Like I really did enjoy the you know the the two minute flyby thing and and the way this this one sent up the whole movies you know the ridiculousness of the movies right like um like if, if for perspective i mean you know i watched star trek the show when i was you know when a kid six or seven years old and then it was gone for years it was canceled after two and a half seasons and then it went into reruns and it was on all the time right like it was on every saturday you could watch the, the original series and then you then it was on after school for years and years and years so you know we had time to watch um these shows over and over again and I think it was what 19 I want to say 1989 was when uh, the show first came out because I remember going to a really small theater and seeing it the Star Trek movie I think it was one of the first movies that Carol and I went to and and it was just sort of like you know they wanted to be serious like the original series like you know if, if you've seen the, the Star Trek movies um, if you if you haven't you know like most people tell you to skip the first one because it's really campy right but it's very similar to you know a couple of episodes that they did and but in that one you know it's like captain kirk you know gets to go and and see if scotty puts him in a in a shuttlecraft and they go do a flyby of of the the new you know cgi motion capture not motion capture what was it what was it they, they used to do yeah i guess it was motion capture no no it was no motion capture is a different technology 
No, it was a technology that came from Star Wars where they, you know, the camera would move around a big giant model. Uh, what was that called? Motion something or other. But anyway, the, the, that sort of, you know, Star Wars kind of, you know, flying around the whole ship and making it look like it's really flying in space. They did that whole, you know, sequence where they went around the whole ship in, in the in the um, the dock, right? At the the, the um, spaceport, I guess, right? Um, and you had that, you know, the lighting and, and this whole, and it was just like, you know, total fan service you know kind of oh here's the enterprise as you, as you remember as you may not remember it like making it look even more glitzier than the original the original ship was right in the original series because you only ever saw the original the ship in certain perspectives in the original show right but uh, mm-hmm. now now mm-hmm. of course that's all lost in time because you know they've gone back and done a whole 3g 3d you know cg uh, redo of all those sequences with the planets and stuff like that because i mean even for the 60s it was pretty amazing stuff the way they did the ships right or those those space sequences right so yeah and and the uh the 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 very gratuitous but like really cool um flyby of the enterprise the refit enterprise and yeah, and tmp yeah. the motion picture is really cool uh, for me personally because of a, of a couple of things so um i am a next generation tng fan so so the, if you ask me which ship design is the most nostalgic for you, for me, it is the, the Enterprise D, right? Because I grew up with the mm-hmm. Galaxy class. But for me, from a, um, you know, which ship design just really just looks the best. It's just like a very cool design, uh, iconic. I like the refit Enterprise and, and it's identical twin the enterprise is it the a. enterprise a or the enterprise b that that one in the, the star trek movie a so they sorry the the, okay. the enterprise and their sorry the refit enterprise and then when it gets destroyed the enterprise a the renamed yorktown mm. the enterprise b yeah. that you're thinking of is the one from star trek generations that was based on the excelsior class um but right but and and the one that gets blown up by khan is the a right no that that's like the, the uh, no not blown up by khan um that it's in star trek 3 where Kirk um self-destructs the enterprise against right, Kruge, right. the the klingon uh where they 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 beam over to to take over the ship and it's like hey it's it's like counting down and he's like get out of there and the ship blows up and, right, yeah, yeah, and kirk's yeah, yeah. like oh my god what have i done you know um blowing up his ship but that ship design uh to me is just it just looks so good i mean it's very clearly an enhancement to the the original very good design from the 1960s starship enterprise but just it, it it looks like a real ship it's it's just beautiful right it's just very crisp and clean and if uh you had it here in the modern era it it would look pretty good now right uh, they, they very heavily took from those ideas for uh star trek 2009 when they did their modern rendition and uh you can even see how some of it would would still largely fit in with um discovery's uh, version uh, of the design for the enterprise but if, again if you ask me out of all the ships that i've liked and enjoyed and designs i think the refit enterprise and the enterprise a from the movies is by far the best design of, of any star trek ship and especially the enterprises that was almost a little bit of black in it little black black hints and highlights on it yeah yeah one? and the the warp engines the warp nacelles i should say have um kind of like a like a grill sort of look to them like black line grill on them 
So it's it's really really cool design. Yeah, I had a Star Trek uh, or I had an Enterprise model when I was a kid. I did I, my first model I had was the Klingon Bird of Prey because I think my sister bought me that one or 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 yeah, I bought it and it's the only one I could find at the time. But I do remember having an Enterprise at some point. Don't know where it is, but there we go. Cool. All right. Um, anything else? But I mean, like the the whole like the whole title sequence and and of course they played on the whole title. I think the titles kind of bang uh, Boimler in the head at one point and mm-hmm. those three those three. Blocks of, of text, and uh, and it's cool that they had all the, the characters named with their names, like Devana, um, Tendi, and uh, we, we discovered Sam, Samantha, Samthan, what is his name? Samantha, Samantha Rutherford, I think. Is, Rutherford, yeah, yeah, his name was in there, and um, Carol, Captain Carol Freeman, and you know, Freeman. <laughs> they had all the names of the of, of the actual people in the movie as if as if they were like playing in the movie, right? So. It was interesting. Thing. Like, it was sort of you know, and all the sort of tropes about oh yeah, you can do all kind like all kinds of beamy things. Like because you remember in in um, in the new Kelvin story where uh, Scotty has is stuck on a planet and he needs to beam himself and and Spock to the Enterprise, right? Which is moving at warp, right? And of right. course, you know, because in in movies you can do all kinds of beamy things, right? So he was able sure. to beam them onto the <laughs> this moving ship moving at warp, right? You know, kind of cool stuff. But yeah, it's just the the whole concept of of what you can do in a movie, what you can get away with, and you know, the whole the whole killing and the blood and guts and stuff like that. Like you know, it was pretty pretty gory, uh, and yet you know, but but all along Mariner knew it was it was just the holodeck, right? So even though it was like you know gore. And guts and whatever, but it wasn't wasn't for reals, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it beyond for me beyond the the sort of really cool idea of using the holodeck and the the callbacks to a whole bunch of of, of Trek lore. What I found interesting about this this episode was um, how it actually does end up being a therapy session for Mariner, right? Even though she herself is like uh, not taking it seriously, and and when she reprograms the the holodeck, she's like therapy, you know screams it to the sky yeah, 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 as a yeah. as a joke she actually ends up yeah, exactly. discovering yeah. when she's fighting herself uh that sort of the truth of the matter based on what which should be hypothetically a, a very true version of how she thinks about things based on all the private logs and etc that uh boimler had uh had used to generate the right the programs right. yep yep cool stuff all right, let's get to a watch list. Um, well, since we're on the subject of Star Trek movies, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Jonathan sent me a ping the other day, and I, I spent the 20 bucks um, myself. Um, all of the 10, I don't know what, what universe we're calling it, right? But the, the original 10 movies uh, are available on iTunes right now as a package for $19. I don't know if it's the same in the States, but it is for us here in Canada. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even even though, and I, and I said to him, there's only... Um, you know, it's ten movies, but there's only one, three, five, nine things wrong with that set. No. Wait, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> the first movie, the third movie, the fifth movie, and the ninth movie are the only ones that are sort of you know hard to watch. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So, you know, it would be kind of fun if they ever did the the pack of like you know buy these three movies and get these other ones for free as like, <laughs> but just charge you anyways <laughs> if it's the full price. It's like, 
We're charging yeah, more buy, for these movies. We'll be giving uh, you these other ones for buy free. Buy six and get ten. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Ten, 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 ten movies for the price of six. Exactly. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, so so my pick this week, or my my thing that I'm watching this week, is uh, is Utopia. I don't know if you've heard of Utopia. It's on Amazon Prime. It's sort of about comic books, and it sort of mixes, you know. And it's it's interesting. We may have talked about it before because in the story, it's about a pandemic <laughs> that's happening, you know, like a viral pandemic. So, and and it says at the very beginning of the movie or the beginning of the show every episode. You know, this is not related to any pandemic that's real or fictional or whatever, right? So, um, but yeah, but it's really good. It's it's Rain Wilson's in it, uh, John Cusack's in it. Uh, some parts of it are very predictable, but I I'd be curious to see if for Jonathan to watch this series and to see if he could sort of see the, the twists and turns coming because it's a mix of you know it starts off at a comic convention sort of thing and uh there's this comic book called utopia that everybody wants and uh and what's happening with the virus and the, what's happening in the real world and and the the four comic uh nerds who are trying to you know they group together trying to purchase this this uh this, tra- this manuscript the original manuscript and that's the setup for the first episode, but yeah, it's um, it's really interesting, very twisty, turny kind of stuff. I don't know if it's based on anything real or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool how how they kind of all pieces together, so sort of thing. Yeah, I think we uh, we had talked about it. it the, the one with Rain Wilson from The Office, right? Played Dwight. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. we we we. We showed the, Harry Mudd from Star Trek. Right, right. We, I think we had the trailer as one of the headlines. So it's actually mm. available now is what you're telling me, that it's, uh, it's yes, watchable. Yeah, I think it might have been delayed because of the whole pandemic thing, right? So the theme, I guess. Yeah, but it's out on... Out, out on um, so if you're not after, you know, between waiting... While you're waiting for episodes of The Boys to come out, check out Utopia. I've, basically, I've got like... I'm halfway through episode 10 right now and just about to get to the... But like I said, some parts are, are very predictable, but other parts are sort of interesting how they kind of work out, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a really, really deep story. But uh, like I said, I'd be curious to see what Jonathan would, uh, his read would be on it. Because he's got that whole, you know, been there, done that, read that before kind of <laughs> vibe going on, right? Anyway, so I can't talk, we can't talk about his pick because we don't know why he picked it. Um, so let's skip to yours. Well, guess, the, right? the only thing I can say is I do recognize The Craft. That was like a 1990s movie. About, yeah, TV show, yeah. With um, a movie, yeah. Uh, I remember Nev Campbell for sure was one of the main characters where they, yeah. the, the high school teenage girls turned to witchcraft Baruch assault yeah um as i saw from this trailer the craft of the legacy uh i i don't know what's on here but i don't know if it's a if it's a continuation prequel or reboot um but yeah Mm. it's uh you know, people are looking back for it's technically retro now, right? The, the 90s are retro. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. There was a TV show called The Craft, too, though, wasn't there? Three Witches? I wanted to say that there was, and I'm glad Alyssa that you, Milano, you think that as well. Yeah. So it makes us probably more yeah. correct, even if we're incorrect, it makes us more right of like, oh, there must be very clearly something that would trigger that thought in your head. Well, I have this IMDb app open right here. Let's just type in The Craft and see what it comes up. The Craft. By the way, I don't think that girl I said who was Rook Assault was really Rook Assault. Again. Okay, yeah, so Robin Tunney, yeah, Fazula Balak is the one I'm thinking of, and Nev Campbell, yeah, that was a that was a, a movie called The Craft, I think, and then there's a TV show called The Craft, it looks like, yeah, TV series, Alyssa... Oh, it was Mel- Alyssa Milano. 
No, 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 not Melissa Milano. No. I don't know if it, I don't know if it ever came. Oh, it says 2019, so it can't be the one. There's the Craft Rhode Island. Uh, no, I guess that's it. That's it. Just the the one, the Craft, the Craft TV show or no movie, movie. I guess it is. Yeah. Oh, Charmed is what was, I'm thinking of. Charmed, Charmed with Melissa yes, Milano. Charmed. Right. Yeah. 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 Same movie, different different actors, right? <laughs> Witches and C in the title is uh, you know Charmed Craft. I, I can see why I made that connection in my head. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah cool. All right, and what's your what's your pick? Mine is from the YouTube series that I've I've mentioned before. Um, lessons from the screenplay. In this case, it's called uh, Stranger Things: Setting the Tone, and talks about how the, um, the 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 folks that created Stranger Things, how they in the script and and the, the you know how they were describing you know the pitch to the the studios of like here's what we want to make, how they were able to give the the tone that they were looking for by using um, like like Stephen King novels and imagery and descriptions of like it's kind of Stephen King, but with a 1980s kids movie sort of thing like like The Goonies or um, uh, E.T., right? That it's not just straight up horror. It's not just straight up uh, 80s kids movie. It's it's kind of a blend in between it. And how they even sort of show uh, how characters work um, by by giving examples right straight into the the, um, the Dungeons and Dragons game that they play at the very beginning. Cool. All right. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, how many people want to get in touch with you? Where do they find you? I'm on Twitter. as at Dev with the Hair. All right, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, Spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was being played tonight. Classic albums live people, the same people that I see all the time. They, they do, like, they reproduce albums live. And uh, so, yeah, they were doing... I've seen, them, I've seen them do this album before. It's, they do a really good job of it. Like, normally when you see them live, they, they play an album, like, literally. And it's like, they reproduce every sound. Like, if, if there's a mistake on the on the track, they play the mistake, right? Um, and if, like, things like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, there's, like, the song Money. I don't know if you're probably familiar with it. And there's, like, a sort of a tape loop at the beginning. They they reproduce the tape loop with like props <laughs> you know like they shake a bag of stuff wow. right that kind of stuff right and uh 
Yeah, but normally when you see them, they play live and then they go. Albums used to be forty minutes roughly, right? And they would leave and then they come back and then they would do uh, like a greatest hits uh, section, right? Mm-hmm. So they would um, like you know. So so I, I saw them play this at, at one of our better venues and then they came back and they did like a Beatles superset and then they came back and they did uh, they did I want to hold your hand and she loves you, which are two songs I'd never seen anybody play live, right? Um, or I'd never seen the Beatles play live or whatever. Obviously not. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I never actually, because I, I kind of, like, dismissed them as sort of being fluffy songs from, like, the early 60s. But they were amazing to watch played live. Like, you really get the sense of how, uh, like, what, what amazing songs those were and, and how, you know, how cool it was, you know? So, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, yeah. So I've missed this. Let me mark it as a favorite, and then I can go back and watch it later. You know, there is something to be said about like how strange it is if you look at the Beatles discography where you've got, like you said, like the, the, from the modern era, it'd be like more Justin Bieber-esque uh, lovey-dovey songs that they do on the Ed Sullivan show to weird mind trip stuff with like uh, just about everything in the Magical Mystery Tour album. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's more like, uh, yeah, they were kind of, I mean, Yellow Submarine's a bit mind trippy and... And that whole period from I think it's uh I think Rubber Soul was the first sort of that's the first album they did when when they were when drugs were involved right um so that was like the you know like probably their like seventh or eighth you know album back right like mm-hmm. yeah I don't know how many albums I mean they put a lot of albums but like yeah I think that the main albums were like I have the box set here somewhere I don't know what the hell it is but like of all the original ones but yeah I think uh, Rubber Soul and then there was Revolver was another big one that's the one that inspired charles manson <laughs> uh, and then uh or was it the white album the white album was a sort of trippy one they each took a side and they kind of went bananas on it so yeah the sergeant pepper school and the band was the first it was the first album that they went into the studios and studio and they basically used all these new studio tricks to make this album it was like it blew everybody's mind away right and it's funny when i was younger i used to say to people um, especially if I were like coworkers, were you born before or after Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band came out? <laughs> you know. <laughs> It was sort of the divide, yeah, sort of, but, but like, I mean, now it's like, you know, people born in the 90s, now it's people born in the 2000s, right? Like, my mm-hmm. my grandson was born in 2001, I want to say, and he's 17, so, yeah. Okay, so then the good question for that would be pre-9-11 or post-9-11? Yeah, yeah, or, well, it's and it's it's funny, like, Carol remembers uh, John F. Kennedy being shot when she she was in school, right? Like, that was the big, the big event for her. Um, I remember her, his brother being shot when that was, you know, when he first came to Canada. It was shortly thereafter that that um, Robert Kennedy was killed, and then I remember the the you know seeing the footage of the of the like the train and the funeral cortege and all that kind of stuff. And and of course I remember the Apollo missions, you know, because I was probably I think I was seven or eight when they started, and you know, so I was totally blown away by that. Right, that was my jam mm-hmm. when I was a kid. But uh, yeah. Uh, but it's funny, like like how music, like like from a point of view, like like because the the Beatles did um, Sgt. Pepper's and the Beach Boys did Pet Sounds. I don't know if you've heard of Pet Sounds as an album. It's another another sort of water.
Watershed album. I bet you I'm probably familiar with the songs if I were to listen to some of them, but uh, yeah, that, that yeah. album, it doesn't strike me um, as like, oh, I know which songs are on there. But right, I bet you right. have probably heard the songs like a million times just because right. of how popular yeah, the Beach Boys yeah, are. Yeah, of course you have, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I really don't, I didn't follow the Beach Boys when I was younger, so I really couldn't tell you what's on what album. And uh, But I was, it's funny, I was watching uh, watching a special by uh, about Elton John. I just finished reading Elton John's book or having, you know, Karen Eggleton read his book to me because um, I was an Elton John fan when I was a kid growing up and I, I never knew any, any of the stuff about him and you know like you know his you know coming out and you know all the, the drug problems he had and, and you know how you know how stoned he was when he was playing at certain shows and they're famous you know like there are clips of him on stage you know in these you know outrageous costumes and it was like at the height of his drug you know drug use right so and then you know the sort of afterward i don't know if you've seen the movie have you seen the movie rocket man at all or yeah i have with um karen eggington that's that's the guy yeah from uh the the kingsman kingsman yes exactly yeah yeah. so he he's read the he reads the book Uh, so elton john does the foreword and the and the prologue and and taron eggington that reads the book as if he's you know elton john i guess they, they have very similar accents right and um yeah it's interesting because like the, of course you know the having read the book or having you know gone through the book um i don't know how you say that now right like <laughs> having listened to the audiobook um or experienced the book i guess you you get the sense of how hollywood or whoever made the movie kind of played with the events a bit to sort of make it you know a bit more like you know how you know the, the beginning of the movie spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it but it's been like what two years almost mm-hmm. um the, the you know the the part where he he starts off going into therapy at the very beginning right and and then he starts talking about his whole his whole life right well the reality was he was in a relationship with somebody who went into therapy and and uh when he came out uh he he's he asked um elton to come to therapy a session with him and you know they were asked to say you know what do you like or don't like about the other about your partner and the other person just elton john listed a whole bunch of things off and then then the other partner said you're a cocaine addict you're an alcoholic you know and and whatever and as soon as as soon as he said that elton john went yeah i need help and went into therapy right so so it's not like how hollywood you know made it out to be sort of thing you know like the the story you know like a lot of the things are in in the movie are still true but but uh, or based in truth right but uh it's sort of you know they sort of made it you know glitzy and glamour and whatever right yeah i, I always look at it as being more like uh this is the legend right um, yeah, it's interpretive yeah interpretive yeah yeah, yeah you, that i imagine it as if uh you know this story has been passed down and as part of the oral tradition for many generations and it's uh you know gotten spiced up a little bit over the years yeah, and true, some of the true, some yeah. of the things that were more mundane got uh, uh forgotten and people filled in the gaps so like how did that happen well here's probably what happened right and it's it's still largely true but again more in the uh like playing telephone uh as a game i don't know if people do that anymore see that's the thing that ages people do people oh, do that the broken anymore. telephone like, thing yeah broken telephone yeah, yeah the kids do that anymore as a as a know, game to show like how crazy something internet. becomes at the very end <laughs> the fake news game <laughs> <laughs> let's play zoom freeze you know the person stops talking halfway through <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny, yeah, because it's interesting, like you say that, because you know, you could have asked me, "What do I know about Elton John?" And I could have, I would have gone through a whole bunch of different things, telling you about him, you know, and because because all the milestones that he talks about in in the book, a lot, I mean, a lot of them I knew, right? But you know, because um, you know, I had his albums when I was a kid, and and I actually went and saw him play just you know a couple of years ago, like. uh 
uh, I bought a, I bought a single ticket and went and sat like in the really really cheap seats, almost behind the stage. Like you were almost like he was almost he was around. I was I was actually behind at the backstage in the corner. And there are parts of the show where you could see him and and Davy Jones and his guitarist come out and play. But uh, a friend of mine was sitting in the in the good seats, and she posted a, a video up on Facebook later, and it was like all you know LEDs and like giant screens and whatever. But I mean, just to, to be there in the room in the space with him, you know, somebody who I listened to a lot when I was younger, play the songs that I know, right? Uh, because I've, I'd sort of fallen out of favor with him during the 90s and, you know, whatever. Like, um, I was a fan of his in the early days, but, you know, and because it was like on the radio when I was a kid, right? Or a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. And if you had asked me about his life, I could have told you, you know, I, I know he's married to a Canadian now. I kind of knew he had kids, but I didn't know the story behind it. I also didn't know how he met the guy. And, and you know, the, he goes through the whole sort of story in, in, in telling. And then it's funny, I've seen a couple of interviews with him afterwards. And, and uh, he does it. It's the same story. He says over and over, it says over and over again. So, it's interesting to sort of see, like, you know, I mean, what I'm getting at is if, if I had told you the story, it would have been different again than the book, and it would have been different again than the movie, right? You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. the movie kind of gives you a timeline, and you kind of go, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that, whatever. You know, like the sort of phases of his of his life. Um, but, you know, the, the you know, the, the how it happened in the story in the actual book is really interesting, because it's sort of, you know, less less of a fantasy story than than the um than they make it out in the movie like they kind of play that he and bernie top and kind of had this magical connection and they you know they were in the room with the guy and they they started playing your song right on the piano and that's not how it happened at all but you know uh it's really really interesting to sort of see that that sort of story but it's it's cool that that his whole sort of career has actually been you know documented because there's all kinds of video of him playing right from the very beginning to like to now right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting yeah. stuff and he's like 70 something so i mean you know knock on wood he'll be around for a bit but you know we never you never know right never know when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.